Welcome to the Marriage on Fire podcast, the show for couples that shares research-based relationship insights, advice, and strategies for creating and sustaining a happy and fulfilling marriage, where we look at the stuff that truly makes the relationship and how to live a good life. And here's your host, husband and dad and relationship coach, Gideon Hanacom, creator of the popular New Zealand-based blog, TheRelationshipGuy.com. What's up, everybody? This is Gideon, and welcome back to episode number six here on Marriage on Fire. Today, we're going to talk about a question, which is, if I could only do one thing or work on one area to improve or save my marriage, what would that one thing be? I thought it would be a very interesting question, and I'm going to try and answer it here for you guys today by giving you a couple of things to think about differently, perhaps, and hopefully it'll serve you and help you to start improving or who knows, perhaps even saving your marriage. Now, obviously, to answer this question, there are obviously many things that we can do. I can answer this question in probably a thousand different ways, give you a thousand different tactics and ideas and strategies and stuff that you can uh, go and try in your marriage to see if it can improve it. Uh, Things like improving your communication. I see so many couples who come to me and when they apply to see me or work with me as uh, you know personal clients, then the issue of communication always comes up. We also know from research uh, that the average American family, as an example, or uh, American couple, only spend about two hours talking each week, conversing uh, on average. Uh, so I can tell you to improve communication, that, that might make a difference. So I could also tell you that perhaps one thing that you could do is increase your physical touch, you know, or intimacy levels. That could play a role in terms of improving your marriage. I could I could also tell you to maybe make more eye contact. So many couples or the average couple kind of don't make a lot of eye contact anymore. We kind of live just past and, and by each other, but we never really take the time to sit down and look each other in the eyes like we used to in the in the early days. So that could be something I could tell you to do. I could also tell you, like I did in one of my previous episodes, to maybe get into the habit of going to bed together at night rather than one person sitting in front of the TV watching or binge watching yet another sort of series or episode on on Netflix. Rather, you know, go to bed together and just spend sort of the last final couple of moments of a day together talking, touching, you know, cuddling, whatever the case is, and, um, and that could help. So there's many different ways I can answer this question how to improve your marriage, many different things you can focus on, many different things you can try. But I think it is a mistake if you're going to boil down, you know, this question down into separate or individual tactics. I think I'll be, I'll make a mistake if I'm going to tell you there's this one specific thing that, you know, will work better than another thing. Uh, I'm also obviously not considering your context. I don't know what is sort of real for you. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what, what, what's applicable to your situation. So I think it'll be a mistake to, to sort of boil it all down into a couple of separate actions or tactics that we can do to, you know, use to try and improve your marriage. On the other hand, however, I do love principles. For me, principles are th- uh, sort of these things, ideas, concepts that kind of go beyond. They supersede our contexts. They supersede our situations. What I love about principles, when we understand a principle, we can also translate that principle into our specific you know, contexts by translating them into specific actions. A principle can be, you know, applied and also expressed in many different variable uh, or varied ways uh, in terms of behavior and actions. It's not limited to only a set amount of actions or one or two actions. It's something that we can interpret and we can then apply to our context, our situation, any way we want. So I love principles. 
That's why I'm going to try and answer this question in the form of a principle. I think there is a certain principle you need to understand as a couple. And when you understand this principle, it'll actually go a very, very long way in helping you improve or perhaps even save your marriage. If I absolutely had to choose one thing to do, one principle to go by, you know, to, to improve or save uh, my marriage, I would, I would probably go with the one I'm going to share with you here today. So the best way for me to answer this question is one, think of it in terms of principles versus actions. But also secondly, I think a good place to start is to actually start by looking at the most dangerous, what I call marriage or relationship killers. Start by looking at the principles that actually when they're in play, they actually sort of, you know, have the biggest impact on breaking our relationships apart. Start by identifying what those marriage or relationship killers are and then combat them with opposing principles. I think that is a very good place to start. Uh, if you look at the research of John Gottman as an example, I mean, he identified four specific kind of principles that he calls the four horsemen. And uh, when these four horsemen or principles are present in your relationship, chances are that you'll start experiencing a decline in relationship satisfaction as well as high, a high likelihood of actually splitting up eventually. He talks about criticism, defensiveness, contempt, stonewalling, and all those type of things. But he actually talks about a principle, an idea that's actually way more dangerous than any of those things. And, and this principle is the one that I kind of think is the one, if I had to do one thing to improve my marriage, one thing to perhaps even save my marriage, I would start by combating this specific principle. The most dangerous principle, the most dangerous thing that can move into your marriage, move into your relationship, is what some experts call emotional disengagement. A different way of, of, of calling that would be a loss of connection. It is essentially when you end up in a situation as a couple where you've become untangled, you've become emotionally disengaged, you're living parallel lives, you're kind of living under one roof, flatmates, um, but nothing more. You're kind of just living lives that are just passing each other by in the night almost, and you're just essentially flatmates, but you're you're nothing more. You you know all the the basics are in place and everything's been taken care of, but the relationship is essentially not over, but it's essentially just a mutual agreement. It is a it's a partnership that just sort of takes care of the practicalities of life, like kids and paying the bills or a mortgage and those type of things. But romance, intimacy, emotional engagement is kind of something of uh, of the past. And so when there is emotional disengagement, when that principle starts ruling your relationship, the whole thing, you know, in a sense starts coming apart over time. And so for me, if I had to absolutely choose one thing to start working on, even before it's a, a problem within my marriage, something that I would encourage people to start working on and, and, and kind of really focus on, it would be to combat the presence of emotional disengagement. You have to avoid it like the plague. You have to actively put things in place to prevent uh, emotional disengagement or that loss of connection from ever happening. Because the moment that starts happening, you're definitely on a slippery slide to nowhere. Now, obviously, the question now becomes, well, if that is the most dangerous thing that we need to combat, the most dangerous thing that we need to avoid, well, how can we then create more emotional engagement? How can we create more connection over time? Well, the way that I tend to answer this question, and I always go through this process with my clients as well, but the way I think about it is this idea of gender-specific uh, actions or having a gender-specific approach. 
And it's kind of this idea that, you know, we need to start with the principle that men and women, as a rule, kind of want different things. Yes, we have kind of the same basic human needs, but the reality is we do also emphasize certain needs slightly different uh, from one another. And ultimately, when we understand that men and men and women want things slightly differently, or they have you know slightly different human needs, uh, or at least they prioritize human needs slightly differently, we can then tailor our approaches or our actions to that. So if I know my wife and most women, you know, as a rule, kind of have a specific need, I can then tailor my approach, my actions to actually try and meet those needs within her, and vice versa. Of course, she can do the same with me. So if I had to choose to do absolutely you know absolutely just one thing I was limited to one approach one thing that I could do to improve my marriage it would be to you know use this gender specific approach to encourage and 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 you know improve and build up more emotional engagement with my wife over time now obviously immediately the question becomes well okay that's that's nice but what what do women want you know what what do men want now obviously this is a very interesting question in itself and many books have been written on this many experts have their opinions but again if i could just give you one for each then maybe it'll give you a good start if you want to start building more emotional engagement more connection with your spouse over time so let's talk about women first if you're a man you've got to understand that as a rule Again, there are exceptions to the rule always, but a good start would be to understand that as a rule, women tend to have a very deep desire to be loved. And women feel most loved when they feel emotionally safe. A different way of putting that is women feel most loved when they feel a sense of emotional certainty. Now, the best thing that a man can do, or the most important thing a man can do to actually create that sense of emotional safety which then makes your wife feel more loved, is to actually become or be more trustworthy. In other words, you've got to be a person that is completely transparent. Your wife needs to know that she can trust on you, you know, trust you and rely on you. She needs to know what she's got in you. She needs to know how important she is to you. She needs to know where she stands with you. She needs to know that she plays an intricate part in your decision making. She needs to know that, you know, there are no secrets. There's there's complete honesty and openness. There is complete trust. You are, in a sense, completely and utterly trustworthy. And also on the other side of that, she needs to, you need to avoid causing her to feel unsafe. And that goes from feeling physically unsafe as well as emotionally unsafe. Whenever any of those things sort of come into play, that actually undermines a woman's sense or a woman's feeling of feeling emotionally safe and certain, which then kind of makes her feel less loved, which of course breaks down uh, connection and kind of, you know, starts creating that emotional disengagement. If I can sort of say a few things for the men, you know, so if you're a woman and a wife, you've got to understand that men conversely, they also want to be loved, but there is something else that they actually want far more, and that is to be respected. And a man feels most respected when he feels that he is uh, he's significant or he is being appreciated. When a man in his marriage feels that he is appreciated, he is accepted as he is, 
and he has a sense of significance and importance in his wife's eyes. She looks up to him, you know, she follows his lead every now and again, um, and uh, and so on. Then ultimately, a man obviously feels that he is he's respected. When a man feels respected, you know, that's that's when we feel most certain, when we feel most loved. Now, of course, the thing that a woman can do to make a man feel, you know, very significant and and more respected is to actually be more accepting of him and less critical. Whenever a man is being criticized, that typically creates a feeling of what some experts call a sense of shaming. When a, when a man is treated like a child or when a man is being undermined or when a man is being criticized, you know, especially as a person, not so much his behavior, but when a man is criticized as a person, he is... He, you know, he instantly feels insignificant. He feels um, not just undermined, but he feels insignificant, and thereby, you know, he feels uh, disrespected, and uh, and that closes him up more. Now, this is kind of, you know, as you can see, now obviously a woman wants to be, you know, respected as well, but again, there are these slight subtleties and differences that we need to understand about men and women where we're slightly different. So, if you want to start creating more emotional engagement, more connection, start with, you know, showing your man more respect you know, accepting him and appreciating him. If you're a man, you know, start showing your wife more love. Let her feel that she's truly loved. Let her feel emotionally safe, you know, be more trustworthy, be more transparent and uh, avoid feeling her, um, avoid causing her to feel unsafe. Now in this, there is obviously kind of an, a sort of an intrinsic inherent challenge between, you know, love and respect. I call it the love and respect loop. Because what it kind of looks like is that ultimately a woman can only respect a man when she feels loved by that man. And the funny thing is, the more a woman feels loved, the more she'll show respect. And the more a man feels respected, the more he'll show love. And so it's kind of this thing that feeds on itself where love and respect kind of feed you know kind of feed each, each other in a sense so when you have more respect you have more love when you have more love you have more respect and so on and so on and so on but at some point this kind of loop gets interrupted for various reasons and at some point if you want to start getting the whole thing back on track somebody's going to have to make the first step you know if you're waiting for your partner to show you more love um, and, you know, he's going to feel disrespected, which means he's probably not going to show you the love that he needs. Um, but also you've got to understand that in order for your wife to show you more respect, she's got to feel loved and appreciated. It kind of just needs, you know, it's this thing that, you know, feeds on its on itself. And the one needs the other. So this is sort of a, a built-in challenge with when it comes to love and respect, but it's something that we've got to understand as couples. You know, we've got to understand this as spouses uh, to, you know, ultimately stand a chance of improving our marriages and our relationships. Now, a third thing that I would say, so, you know, you've, you've got a strategy if, if you're a man, you've got a strategy if you're a woman, but a second thing I would say that I would kind of, you know, that flows out of the first one, if I had to, you know, work on this principle of creating deeper connection or at least improving emotional engagement with my spouse as a principle. Second thing I would do is, is to understand that we as a couple need to keep creating experiences of shared meaning, meaning that as a couple, we need to keep growing and we need to keep experiencing things that are different. You know, we need to experience variety in our relationship. The moment we fall in a rut, we get stuck in a rut. You know, it becomes very difficult to, to feel excited about the whole thing. So a way to kind of create these experiences of shared meaning is, you know, we simply need to start spending more time together by ourselves. You know, we need to experience new things together. 
we need to actively combat that rut and we need to actually break out of the rut and we need to create experiences that we both find meaningful to us that ultimately create new shared meaning or experiences of shared meaning within our relationships. If all we have uh, to pull on our past good experiences and we don't keep updating those experiences, after a while the whole thing starts feeling a little bit stale and uh, and again we lose the motivation you know, to do what we need to do because we start questioning why we're in this in the first place. We need to remind each other why you know we got together in the first place and the best way to do that is actually to actively create experiences of shared meaning that might mean that you know you go and explore different cafes it might mean that you go on date nights it might mean that you go away together for a weekend or a night together without the kids you know whatever it is but you've as a couple we need to create these experiences that are outside of the rut of the daily activities and daily responsibilities um, because that is kind of what adds the spice to to life and actually keeps us motivated and excited about the whole thing. So, if I had to ask, you know, answer this question of if I could only do one thing to improve or save my marriage, where would I start? This is where I would start. So, my challenge to you is, is to ask yourself, what is one change that you can make to be more emotionally engaged with your spouse or with your partner? Also, ask yourself, how can I make my wife feel more loved and important? and perhaps less unimportant or even excluded. Ask yourself, how can I make my husband feel more respected and appreciated and perhaps less criticized or even, you know, cause him to feel like a child? And also as a couple, ask yourselves, you know, how can we as a couple start experiencing new things together again, you know, like we used to, rather than just be stuck in a rut and lose all motivation and reason to be together? So guys, if I had to start somewhere, this is where I would start. I would encourage you to ask yourselves the same question, and hopefully this gave you a lot of good food for thought. Start with the principle of combating emotional disengagement. Actively work towards creating a deeper connection, deeper emotional engagement, and start by taking care of each other in the way that makes sense to us as men and women, and also what we need as a couple in the sense of keeping, you know, to keep on growing and keep experiencing new sort of experience of shared meaning. I hope that served you. I hope it gave you a lot of food for thought. If you've got any questions, just send them to me at therelationshipguide.com. I'd be happy to answer you personally and directly. I'm going to close this episode today with a very cool quote that I think is very applicable and uh, and then we'll talk again soon. So here's the quote. Don't wait for the perfect moment. Take the moment and make it perfect. Go and love each other, uh, guys. Live and love fully, as I always say, and take care of each other. And we will talk to each other soon. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marriage on Fire. If you found today's show helpful, please make sure to follow and share it with someone you think needs to hear this. Also, take a moment and head over to therelationshipguy.com connect with Gideon directly. Again, thanks for listening and make sure to tune in soon for our next episode of Marriage on Fire.